Ah, John Billingsley from Enterprise. That was a nice little introduction. Thank you. We are here on Everything Old is New Again. Show six of May Mayhem. We're trying to determine, a.k.a. NCAA bracket format. Who is the funniest person of all time? We are now bringing us down from 32 to 16, the sweet 16. We have eight already selected from last show. If you want to catch that and find out what it was and you missed our show, go to uh, everythingoldisnewagain.biz or any of the podcast uh, locations you could find our show, Everything Old is New Again radio show, and you'll see those because I'm not going to mention them. We're going to forge ahead here with the arbiter himself, David Cohen. Yes. Doug, how are you feeling today? You feeling better than last time? I'm feeling wonderful, Dan, because okay. I'm not. I've had to make some difficult rulings. It's what it's like to be a a judge or a magistrate, like we've called uh, Dan Newberger, our, our special guest. He's this week the critic himself, David uh, Cohen's uh, friend and and Douglas Ravini's friend from Cohen's high school. Friend. I don't know where I went with not that. Not your friend. David, I'm not taking responsibility <laughs> for Newberger. <laughs> uh, Dan Newberger, the critic. How are you, Dan? I'm doing great. How are you today? And by the way, I, it, it's tough being host. I get it. There's time limitations. Yeah, it's and tough. Yeah, it's, it's tough because you know what we got now? We have me starting off this time. We do All a round right. robin. And Take it's control. Louis C.K. against Neil Simon. Oh, now again we take out uh, any what would we say any personal life here and trying to look at individuals uh, on the face of it. Neil Simon, what is there to say that's not been said already? There's been many wonderful works. Uh, he's not a performer; he's a writer. Certainly, he did uh, Show of Shows, which is a favorite of mine. He certainly was involved with many plays, including The Odd Couple, which is David Cohen's uh, favorite. However, there have been a number of bombs, too, I'll say. So yeah. it happens with everybody. But can someone that have, you know, missed on the, the mark a little bit uh, be the funniest of all time? I don't know. Louis C.K., uh, his stand-up was brilliant, came out of nowhere, kind of, for me, and uh, really in enjoyed his stand-up uh, quite a bit. Then he had that show that David Cohen told me about. I forget what the name of the show was. David, you remember the name of the show? What was it? The last show he did? Oh, I forget the name. But, yeah, we, but it was it was uh, dark, but, uh, but again, always funny. So, so where do we go with this? Uh, for the funniest was person. Was Louis? Wasn't I think it was just Louis? It might have been just Louis. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm 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 really torn on this, but I'm going to go with just longevity and a non-controversial pick and say Neil Simon. Uh, I could be swayed, but that's that's where I'm going. Dan, where are you? You can't be swayed, right? That's that's I it. I just want to clarify. I so be, now you're backtracking on the rule. You know what I could say time. is this: I could be swayed in that the two of you can select uh, Louis C.K. and that's that. Well, that's not going to happen. It's not being swayed. It's being outvoted. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah, be, all right, I could be outvoted. In this particular case, but um, yeah, I guess you're not allowed to change your mind. That was a ruling that you made Correct. in the last uh, last episode, but much to the chagrin of your co-host. But um, <laughs> I, this one actually isn't that hard for me. Um, Louis C.K. is just a bit too dry for me. I have a sarcastic sense of humor, but I don't find him all that funny. Um and he certainly hasn't had the longevity that Neil Simon has had, as you pointed out, Doug. So this one's relatively easy for me, just based on the odd couple alone. Uh, your listener, David Kay in New Jersey, said the odd couple. Enough said. Yeah, I agree. I go with Neil Simon. Good. Okay. David Cohen. Yeah, I'd have to I'd have to go with Neil Simon as well. 
Listen to the dead silence. Trying to move the the show along. My vote didn't matter at that point, so I'm trying to move it along. Okay, fair enough. We. That's he sounds so bitter sometimes, doesn't he? I'm not bitter. I'm just you know, just trying to. I'm trying to understand the ever changing rules and flows of the show. The rules have never changed. The rules have never changed, and it is a talk show, so we do need to have people actually tell us their opinion without just picking someone. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the battle royale grudge match between (laughs) Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. You can hear it every week. Everything old is new again. The arguments you love to have. All right. Yeah. See, Dan, now you're part of the family because like all the pretenses are going. And after a few shows, all the niceties uh, between me and Doug, now you're getting to see the real relationship. And Awesome. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to start to sharpen my knives then, I guess. There you go. Sharpen no, those elbows. No, you're fine. It's, it's Doug I have a problem with. Don Rickles. Oh, good. Okay, thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> I'm okay with that then. Let's keep going. <laughs> I'm okay with it too. Don Rickles against Eddie Murphy. Hmm. Uh, who starts this one? This looks like it's uh, – who started the last one? That was me. Dan, you start us off on this one. Yeah, this is definitely one of the more challenging choices for me. I consider both to be elite eight worthy, so it's going to be hard for me to pick one over the other. They both make me laugh out loud. David has said in the past that that is a really important criteria for him. I don't disagree. I think both were great stand-up comedians. Uh, Eddie Murphy was fantastic on Saturday Night Live. A listener, Paul Z in New York, pointed out that Rickles was a top talk show host and the inventor of insult comedy. I can remember him being on a lot of late night talk shows and he was always just so much fun to watch. But I wonder if his act would go over well today. Um, Not surprisingly, listeners were pretty evenly split on this one. I'm not as sure as Scott Kay, your listener from New York City, who said Rickles for sure, but I'm leaning that way. And so I'm going to cast my vote for the master of the insult, Don Rickles. Sorry, Eddie. Mm. David Cohen. Wow. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Don Rickles was truly, truly, truly funny. And not just, I mean, yeah, he insulted people all the time. But if you watch clips of him, he himself was just a funny person, even when he wasn't insulting. So, uh, but that said, you know, I don't know, Eddie Murphy just, again, it's just, he he's made me laugh so many times over the years. So I've got to go with Eddie Murphy. Now, if you watch Eddie Murphy's stand-up from the Nassau Coliseum, which I was at, I think, David, you may have seen that, too, um, uh, in the 1980s with that, that red outfit and all, um, does that hold up? Uh, you know, is that as timely as Rickles? So, so I'm just trying to throw the idea of, of, you know, if the comedy's not as appreciated today but was in its day, is that a factor? Uh, I, I don't I mean, know. I, I've seen the greatest comedians of all time, like Bomb. I, I mean, everybody has bad days, bad movies, bad shows, whatever. I'm not going to hold that against him. Well, I'm not saying I Bomb. Think, I'm saying that, yeah. that, the, that Dan had made a, a comment that would Rickles material hold up to this day. And I'm just trying to say, I don't know if, if any of these comedians always in the stand-up is always timely. Uh, sometimes they do commentary on this culture of the day and it's 40 years later and that culture may have changed or may not be timely. So I, I, I'm not going to use that as a, as, as a parameter. That's all I'm trying to say. Rickles wow. always made me laugh always, but also always never was always, it didn't seem to be prepared and seemed to have the stock and I'm I'm not being fair to say that when I say it this way, but the stock, you know, you hockey puck stuff. Um, but you know, the stock 
comments about someone's uh, background and what have you. Um, Eddie Murphy was more prepared in my world, had more thought out what he was doing on his stand-up. So let's go beyond that. But, but both of them are equally made me laugh, and still to this day, equally made me make me laugh on their stand-up. Movies, uh, Murphy has, has the... You know, at least the early days, he made some terrific movies and sort of fell uh, apart a little bit towards the end of his career. Rickles never had anything successful on television at all other than tremendous appearances on The Tonight Show. So, um, but but Rickles' career was longer. I'm vacillating here. It's amazing how close these two are. And to have to make the decision here is very difficult. Uh, I'm just going to go with my gut and say... Eddie Murphy makes me laugh more than Don Rickles. It's going to be Eddie Murphy. Yeah, there we go. Um, that's what I I thought too. There we go. So we're not that far apart uh, on our thought process. Dan, you got a few minutes to rebuttal if you want, uh, just to give us your thoughts on now that we've got Eddie Murphy uh, oh, being yeah, Don Rickles. You're both wrong, but it's okay. I still love you. <laughs> I mean, actually, I, I do have one comment about, uh, or actually more of a question about Don Rickles, who you know I voted for, but you know again I don't have a problem with Eddie Murphy. Is this? So when Don Rickles, the only time I ever saw him was really on TV. I, I never saw him live. And I always wondered if when he said, you hockey puck, if there was something else that he was saying that was more of, a, you know, one of George Carlin's seven dirty words that you can't say on TV in his live shows and that he was cleaning it up by saying hockey puck rather than something that rhymes with it that he might have said in his live shows. And I, I don't know if either of you guys ever saw him live or had a thought on that or whether I'm just like. Never saw him live, but you know, what's interesting that you brought something about him. I'm just going to throw this out there. Did he have an act besides insulting people? Did he actually tell, you know, jokes or stories or did he just always just insult? Good question about his live routine for an hour, an hour and a half on stage. Did he just insult for an hour and a half? I don't know. It's a good question. I would have to well, well uh, insulting or cursing or, or like swear words. Is well, I'm just saying, did he do anything else for that hour and a half, or did he just continue to pick on people around the around the room? Like, what was his what was his routine live? I, I, that's, well, all I, that's all I remember seeing him do. Yeah, some stand ups all they do that's they do crowd work. There's very little prepared material, and they're right. just really good spontaneous off the cuff. They might have some you know prepared stuff that looks spontaneous but a lot of them are much more comfortable just talking to the crowd and being funny that way right um i, I don't know and i don't think don rickles I, I if i had a guess back in the day just because you were live i don't know if comedians felt the liberty to start swearing to say something other than hockey puck when they were live because i think maybe even believe it or not more so back then than today people were very sensitive and and if you said the wrong thing or if you were one of those comedians that would, were blue, I think you could lose a lot of fans that way. So I, mean, well, I think, think about somebody, mostly were clean. Think about somebody like Buddy Hackett, right? Buddy Hackett was – I'm sorry, Dan. Can you hold that thought because it's totally out of time. We'll pick up on Buddy yeah, Hackett yeah, right yeah. after this. And everything old's new again. Hey, hello. It's John Noble here. I'm, uh, I'm having a great time here with Douglas doing everything old is new again. We've had, we've had a great discussion and uh, you had a chance to look at it all or sometime, brother. He's a very good interviewer. He asked some great questions. So have a look. Ah, uh, yes. We're back here and everything old is new again. Nice compliment there from John Noble. We are continuing our exploration of all things comedy and what and who is the funniest comedian or funniest person, if you will, of all time. And uh, we're narrowing it down to the Sweet 16. Uh, Dan, we had just left off. You were, we were discussing contemporaneously uh, a little discussion about uh, Don Rickles, and it 
bled into a comment you were mentioning about Buddy Hackett. So please take the uh, take the floor, Dan Newberger. Yeah, well, I, yeah. I mean, I think we were talking about the fact that I was asking whether we had ever seen Don anybody any of us had seen Don Rickles live, and I was wondering if he used more colorful language than hockey puck in his in his live act. And David was saying that you know back then at that period of time it, it may have been looked it may have been frowned upon to use more you know be a, more of a blue you know uh, comedian, but I was I was about to say that Buddy Hackett was always clean on TV, but I had heard that he was one of the raunchiest yeah. live and comedians. Red Fox too yeah yeah and that, and that's why I was just wondering you know like hockey puck why why hockey puck. I, as a kid, it was tell you a little bit about my warped brain, but you know, it sounded like something very different to me. And I always wondered when he was live whether he was <laughs> using that other alternative word to puck. And it just because it rhymed, he would say hockey puck on TV, which is the only place I saw him. But anyway, it's an aside. It's not a, it's not at all important. But since I'm a that's uh, an interesting, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. a wealth of insignificant trivia. I just thought I'd ask to see if you guys had a thought on it. Well, I would say this, Buddy Hackett was the filthiest comedian of all time. As per my father, I'll just say, he saw him live in Vegas and came back. My dad was one of these guys. He'd come back and he'd tell you the jokes of the comedians, you know, a couple of jokes, and he'd be laughing and be like this, that, and the other. And when he came back from Buddy Hackett's show, he couldn't tell us as the kids one <laughs> one joke. So it just tells you something. Anyway, whatever it's worth. Uh, okay, we are now up, have a, a new uh, new game, if you will, right here. Gilda Radna. Walter Matthau, Dave Cohen, you start us off on this one. Oh, boy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, how do you compare? You, you can't compare them. But that's the game, so we're playing it. I would say that uh, as much as I love Walter Matthau and just thought he's one of the maybe the funniest comedic actors I've ever seen by far. Oh, God, there's something about Gilda, you know, she's just so funny and just so, so many different characters and, you know, very sad that, that to, to think about what she could have done, you know, if she had lived longer than she did. Um, this is really tough, but I'm going to go with Gilda Radner. I just think like, I don't know, she just seems more important to me, to the comedy world. I know that's not a basis, but they, they both made me laugh equally. So because Gilda Radner, I think, had that little bit of an edge being a woman and a pioneer and and really funny, I'm going to go with Gilda. Can you give us an imitation of Walter Matthau conceding to Gilda Radner right now? You know, I used to. My voice has <laughs> changed. So when I did, I did stand-up, I, I did a really killer Walter Matthau, like just always killed. Uh, I don't think I can do it so much anymore. Really, that? I would, but it's not... Not as good. All right. Now I'm going to go. Uh, this is just a real quick s story. My, my wife, uh, the other day, uh, all of a sudden shows me a clip of one of these, they were called gifts, whatever, of, of Gilda Radna doing Roseanne, Rosanna Dana. And she was laughing. She had never seen it before. She's a little younger and whatever. And, um, and so I said to her, you got to hear the whole thing. So I played her the whole thing of just one time that she was, Roseanne, Rosanna Dana, and she used to go off, if you remember, for about five minutes, and it was hysterical, and my wife very rarely laughs at comedians out loud and and did. So that carried a lot of force with me just, just right now, remembering 
how iconic and maybe that word is too used sometimes but in the 70s she was uh and and that and that character and others on Saturday Night Live she was never failed to make you laugh Walter Matthau always made me laugh but not a not a out loud laugh more of a chuckle more being entertained um and certainly for a much longer period of time in so many different different works from the bad news bears to you know to the odd couple and, and everything in between but um uh you know and, and continued till his his last days to be funny with grumpier old men so man is this hard because it's somebody that has longevity that makes you smile and make you feel good and you're entertained 100 percent of the time versus someone that was a like a shooting star for whatever that was like six years that was amazing amazing work so where do you go with this uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna I'm going to take the easy way out, and I'm going to say Walter Matthau so that Dan's going to have to make the decision. This is the only reason why I'm choosing Walter Matthau. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> Wearing the mantle of responsibility. Right, have fun on the talk show. You guys. <laughs> uh, good Lord, these are getting difficult. Um, I love Gilda Radner. Um, she created such an impact, albeit over a relatively short period of time, and it really is such a shame that she died so young and didn't have the opportunity to make us laugh, which I'm sure she would have done. And Walter Matthau was incredibly funny, but part of me considers him more of an actor than a comedian. That, that, that doesn't mean that you can't be funny as an actor, that you have to be deemed a comedian. But nonetheless, even as an actor, I think he's incredibly funny. Um, Jim N. in New York said, Matthew was fantastic in the, old, in, the, in the Odd Couple, Grumpy Old Men, and the Sunshine Boys. He was a great serious actor, too, like in the taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3, which even in that movie, as I think we talked in an earlier uh, episode, he, there's still a little bit of humor that he injects into that. I really love Walter Matthau's sarcastic wit, and just based on the number of funny roles that he has played, like the Odd Couple, which is definitely one of not only my favorite movies of all time, but also one of my favorite television programs of all time. I'm going to vote for Walter Matthau. How about that? So Walter Matthau takes that round. We're a little short on time, so let's go into Carol Burnett versus the Marx Brothers. I have the first say on this one. Uh, again, Marx Brothers is sort of not fair because in that particular team, and I'm counting three, I know there are other Marx Brothers, I'm counting the three that we all know, are funny unto themselves and in their own right. A uh, little dated, I'm going to say. If you turn, turn those movies on, you may you know, may find some of that going on. But Carol Burnett, besides being the best password player of all time uh, and a very smart lady, um, really was amazing where she carried forward the uh, the works, if you will, of, of Sid Caesar and, and your show of shows with her own show, which was patterned after that and was brilliant. She was in Annie. She did a great work in the movies. Um, she just goes on and on. I'm going to this is really hard for me uh, because I, I I'm, I'm just I'm vacillating because I for different reasons. I love both of them and would watch their works to this day over and over and over again and continue to laugh. But I'm, I've got to go because I'm an old soul with the Marx Brothers only because I'm an old soul. No other reason. Dan, this is another one where your listeners were all over the board. Some people said Carol Burnett was one of the best comedians ever and that her show made them laugh out loud. Uh, while others said that they weren't that big a fan and didn't find her funny at all. Uh, Melanie in Minnesota said, remember Carol Burnett as Scar uh, Scarlett O'Hara? I mean, come on. 
Um, I personally think that she was made funnier by the great ensemble cast that she had to work with. I mean, Tim Conway, Harvey Corman, she had some great supporting actors, if you will. Um, I have always appreciated the zaniness of the Marx Brothers. Um, Eric in Illinois said the Marx Brothers, especially Groucho, are master comedians who remain funny today. And I agree with him. I, this is something that's come up with a few of these matches, the longevity of the act. Um, so I'm going to agree with that sentiment, and I'm going to cast my vote for the Marx Brothers. Here we go. David Cohen, what are your thoughts? So two for the Marx Brothers, right? Yes. All right. Um, well, I'll just take the contrarian view because I think either one of these could have gone through very easily. And as big of a Marx Brothers fan as I am, um, you know, I think Carol deserves to go through. That's just me. Okay. Any thoughts as to why? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, for a few reasons. One is... I don't want to say the longevity because I don't really look at longevity. It's just to me, I, I mean, I just look at it differently. Who makes me laugh more? And the Marx Brothers definitely made me laugh, no doubt about it. But, you know, Carol Burnett, I just, to me, she's just like an inherently funny person. You know, there are just some people that come on the screen, whether you're watching a movie or a TV show, they just walk on and you just know you're going to laugh because they're just funny, you know? And that's, I mean, I got that with the Marx Brothers, but I got that more with Carol Burnett. So that's why I'm going with Carol. There you have it. But the Marx Brothers do win it out. We are here on Everything Old's New again, doing uh, and performing our May Madness ourselves, getting this uh, list of originally 68 to 16 at the end of this show. We'll have 16, sweet 16. Come on back right here on Everything Old's New again. I'm the executive producer of the new Lost in Space on Netflix, The Curse of Oak Island, and Ancient Aliens on the History Channel. And you're listening to Everything Old is New Again with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Ah, yes, that's the late great. <laughs> that makes me laugh. Kevin Burns. That should be on the list. That should be on the list. <laughs> Everything Old is New Again. It's got to be in the Sweet 16. There we go. I'll, I'll leave that. Uh, that's the, uh, the comedy stylings, if you will of Dan Newberger joining us and David Cohen, Douglas Viviani at everything else do again, trying to find out who is the funniest person of all time. We're eliminating as we go sort of in a bracket NCAA bracket format. We're down to Lily Tomlin and Will Ferrell. And uh, this is Dan Newberger. You start us off on this. Where do you stand here? Hey, so I have a question to ask you. So you guys have really had some amazing guests on this show. You know, if you go to YouTube and you just sort of flip through all the various episodes, um, really impressive list of people how in the world did i end up as a guest on this show <laughs> well sometimes I mean, the, like out of everybody else like you can't find anybody the well else? does run dry uh, so every so often we do need to know uh, well here's what it is we have a rogues gallery or, or our individual friends like rich richter if you remember and uh, there's others course, my yeah. brother john viviani's on uh so we have a rogues gallery you certainly have joined that now with the and you you've come on strong because the last year and you you were on three shows as you remember about the toys three or four years ago we did that but you did a uh, you know, a series of shows, right? We did the February Foolishness about, uh, uh, you know, board games. I think that was, what was that, four episodes there? Now we're doing like eight episodes here. You've, you've shot to the top of the list of the elite that have been on this show in double figures. 
So I would suggest that we're proud to have oh, you on. You're I, a great guest, am, which is the reason why honored, we do have you on. I'm honored to be asked to be part of this. You guys are always entertaining. So um, who am I supposed to choose now? Lily Tomlin versus Will Ferrell? Yes. All right. So this one's an easy one for me. My wife, Marnie, said, you got to go with the elf on this one. And my sister, Jenny, reminded me that Will Ferrell appeals to adults and kids alike, which is actually hard to do. When you look down this list of comedians, not a lot of people are um, appealing to a very broad audience in terms of ages of people. Um, Will Ferrell has been funny in TV and the movies in a way that you know, really, to me, transcends what Lily Tomlin has accomplished in, in her, albeit very distinguished career. Um, you know, like his character, Ron Burgundy said, I don't know how to tell you this, but you're kind of a big deal. So I vote for Will Ferrell, and I expect him to make it to the Elite Eight. There we go. David Cohen. Yeah, I have to agree with that. Um, yeah, Will Ferrell just, I mean, almost anything he does, I laugh. Same criteria. I mean, the same same is true with Lily Tomlin, but I think Will Ferrell just, you know, I don't know, just a tad funnier to me. Crazier, oh. I think. Crazy funny. Okay. And uh, Lily Tomlin was, was, if you recall, and you've got to be old enough to go back to 1969, was on uh, Rona Martin's laughing, and she made me laugh there as the, uh, the person answering the telephone, the, the uh, operator, uh, one ringy dingy and all that stuff. Uh, but um, it, I, I just didn't see as many, I don't see as many opportunities to laugh through her work as Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell never, uh, almost never, disappoints and it's silly and like and maybe that's why like you say danny he appeals to both you know uh adults and children because there's a level of silliness there uh, that uh, we both can appreciate he almost carries a almost carries a uh, three stooges vibe sometimes uh all by himself uh with the physical stuff that he does I just think that he's it's endless in the the various characters that he's created and and he can perform and even when he goes on I know it's a little thing but he goes on the talk shows just like Marty Short uh he he brings material with him he writes material uh he's creative I think it's um hands down Will Ferrell for this for this round and I agree right. he might go real far we'll see what happens um so two others that I think this one might be more of a challenge. We'll see. David Cohen, you start us off with Albert Brooks against Dick Van Dyke. Yeah. Yeah. The intellectual Albert Brooks against the physical comedy of Dick Van Dyke. I would say uh, I'm going to go with Albert Brooks because, you know, again, uh, I just think Albert Brooks as a person is just someone who strikes me as funny and I loved his movies, all of his movies. I thought they were different and the humor was sort of coming from a different, a different viewpoint that I had never seen before. So I thought it was really fresh and funny. Um, you know, Dick Van Dyke made me laugh as a kid and, you know, I think he's funny too, but I, I would have to go with, with Albert Brooks on this one. Okay. Uh, Albert Brooks to me is someone that is very original very creative from the days when he was on Johnny Carson doing that very bad ventriloquist act, which I will remember uh, for a long time. I still remember it from <laughs> the 70s uh, until now. And he, he did uh, 
a movie with Debbie Reynolds. I think it was called Mom, which was very touching but very funny mm. as well. Um, no, that was not I didn't like. I didn't, didn't that's like the it. One thing he did, I didn't like. Really, I, it it touched yeah. me for some reason. But so he he does have the level. I, I think you would say of of depth where he is. Uh, he has a lot to say with his comedy uh, and also creative. Uh, then you've got Dick Van Dyke who I don't think wrote any of his material, but performed like no one else on that Dick Van Dyke show. You cannot turn off an episode of Dick Van Dyke and you cannot watch an episode of Dick Van Dyke in my mind without smiling and laughing. Um, and just the physical comedy, the way he could perform, the way he could tell stories, he'd, he'd be in that writer's room and he'd be doing a monologue or he'd be doing a skit, which supposedly was going to be performed by, uh, by Carl Reiner, right. Uh, on the show, Alan Brady. Um, so do you go with creativity versus performance? This is really what it is to me. And I always side on the side of creativity. So I've got to go with Albert Brooks, though. I How hate, about who makes you laugh more? I hate to do that. They both make me laugh. They don't make me laugh. More. One does not make we're, me laugh. It's the funniest person, Doug. Yes, he not does. The most one creative, does not, not the most innovative. One does not make me laugh more than the other. Uh, that's okay. the problem. So there has to be another determining factor. To me, it's All Albert right. Brooks. Dan? See, unlike what you just described, Doug, I could watch an episode of the Dick Van Dyke show and not laugh. I, I, it, I mean, this this particular pairing to me is like Sacramento State against North Carolina Central. I really don't care. I don't I'm not a big fan of either one of them. Uh, I mean, I don't see either of these making it past this round. Um, I, I like them both, but they don't stand up to really any of the other contenders that we've been talking about on our shrinking list. So I'll vote for Albert Brooks, but what did I, you call our list? What did you shrinking? Oh, shrinking. I thought you said something else. No, it is <laughs> no, it is a shrinking list. We went from sixty-four to thirty-two to sixteen. Um, uh, but I'm I'm really ambivalent on this one. I really don't care. I, I'll, I'll I'll go with Albert Brooks, and we can move on. And, and tell me why, like you, because you have a few minutes here. Um, I, I he doesn't care. I, he just I, said I, it. I, I just don't think either of them are all that funny. Like again, if. If it was, you know, North Carolina State against um, Duke, I, I, you know, I, I might be interested in at least watching the game. But these guys, to me, they're not even in that league of any of the other folks that we've been talking about. Some of these choices are really, really hard because you're talking about two icons against each other. To me, this one is like, yeah, two very talented guys. Don't get me wrong. Um, I can't dance like Dick Van Dyke and I can't tell a joke like Albert Brooks, but but neither one of these guys in my mind is going to get my vote in the next round. I don't care who they're up against. Now that I know that whoever wins here is going to be up against Will Ferrell. It's like, move on. It doesn't make a difference. How about that? That's uh, very pragmatic of you. And I appreciate that. Uh, we are down to the next four in the next section. I'll preview that right now. George Carlin versus Abbott and Costello. Mel Brooks against Steve Martin, which might be the hardest of all. Uh, so far, I don't know. We'll see. When we get back and everything old is new again, we're going to continue talking about uh, and determining through the NCAA bracket style who are in the Sweet 16 from today's show. We've got Neil Simon, Eddie Murphy. We've got Ma uh, Marx Brothers and Walter Matthau, Will Ferrell and Albert Brooks. Who will be the final two from this bracket? And then we move on next week. We'll be participating in a Sweet 16, getting right down to the final. And we'll find out who's the funniest person of all time. Is that even possible to do? We'll figure it out right here on Everything Old's New Again. Come on back. Oh, no. 
tipsy. Comedy classics on late night TV. Those knuckleheads love to get in a scuffle. They push and they shove heads. This is Everything Old is New Again, America's entertainment pop culture talk show with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Hi, this is Aaron Gray, and you're listening to Old is New Again with Douglas Viviani. <laughs> David Cohen also is here and uh, runs the, the gamut here, right? They can never, this is the running never theme. never get the name of the show right. <laughs> Which she was a lot of fun to have her on the air. That was good. Yes. And, uh, okay, so we're here, the final section here of the 32 to the Sweet 16 of who is the funniest person of all time here and everything old is new again douglas viviani david cohen and dan newberg is joining us dan uh i'm gonna have to ask you to wait one moment to join in because i start this one off first with george carlin against abbott and costello so uh to me this is a very easy one though though i can see uh, you know people going the other way with it um George Carlin was creative in his day. He was creative all the way until the day that he left us. Uh, he was a brilliant stand-up comedian, and and uh, and that was that was the extent of the career. Which doesn't mean you don't need to be more than that to be the funniest person. But uh, to me, that pales in comparison to the body of work of Abbott Costello. Um, their timing, their comedic timing, their longevity on the radio television movies uh, always funny until, unless and until they did the routines too many times you've seen it too many times uh on uh you know over and over again but i would say that you're watching it over and over again because they're classic classic routines that uh that will live uh, and do survive the test of time so uh abba costello for me uh dan where are you on this another difficult one not surprising um so Rich Richter from New York and a prior guest on this show yes. um, said this, he says, who's on first? Need I say more? But David Kay from New Jersey commented that Class Clown is probably the best comedy album ever made. And I would agree with that. Um, so it's really splitting hairs to pick a winner on this particular pairing because I could see both of them potentially even going on. I don't have to eliminate either choice, but here are my seven dirty words i never thought i would say on the radio abbott and costello beats out george carlin very creative very clever Dan. i love very that clever very nice david cohen any thoughts comments yeah i'm gonna have to go with abbott and costello too i, I just think that you know it's that laugh factor i mean george carlin made me laugh he had some great great bits um but i'll have to go with abbott and costello the longevity thing doug i'm, I'm surprised to say that because I think Don, uh, George Carlin has more more lasting or had a longer career than Abbott and Costello did. So I think that his body of work is probably, you know, larger. Abbott and Costello made a lot of movies, a lot of which were not funny, but then they had but they had a lot of good bits and their TV show was great. But it, it it wasn't around for very long. But anyway, regardless, I'm I'm agreeing with you. Okay, um I think you're right in terms of time frame the stand up for George Carlin was 56 to 2008. Uh, Abbott Costello's longevity, if you will, was 35 to 57, 22 years. Um, and so I understand that. They both had tremendous longe long longevity. Um, but I would say Abbott Costello had more variety. Let's go that way with it. Um, all right. So this one now starts off with Dan. And Dan's going to take some time because this is difficult. 
Steve Mark. I'm impressed by the way that you so quickly could rattle off the number of years that both of those prior acts were around because I had to recount those seven words three times to make sure that it was actually seven words. <laughs> and we just trusted you that it was. Yeah, well, it is. I Because I did double check and triple check my work. Um, yeah, this is it. This is the hardest match for me of all of the matches that we've talked about in prior episodes. I love them both. Um, each one has certainly got their own unique take on what I'll call the lowbrow sophomoric humor that I love. I, I mentioned, I think, previously that I had uh, seen Steve Martin live in the late 70s, uh, and he was fantastic. Um, he's classy. He's funny and talented in so many ways for so long. Uh, Lisa in California, a, a former classmate of ours from Half Hollow Hills High School East, says uh steve all the way he's a renaissance man uh that's true he's funny even when he's being a jerk um i mean how can you vote against a man who has written for people like sid caesar and created comedy classics like blazing saddles young frankenstein get smart 2000 year old man i mean that's why i'm this is such a difficult choice um to have these two guys pitted against each other um because I, i i would advance both of them to the next round for sure and so this is one of those bad pairings, I guess. Um, I hate to pick one, but I am going to go with Mel Brooks. Mm, interesting. David Cohen. Yeah, I agree with everything Dan just said, except the choice. <laughs> so, Fair enough. Up, up until that, that last name was uttered. Steve Martin is just a personal favorite of mine. I don't know. He just, he's always just, we talked about when someone comes on screen, I don't know if we were, off the air, on the air. But there are just some people that are inherently funny. You, When they walk on the screen, you just know you're going to laugh. And Steve Martin is that guy for me. So, yeah. All right, 1978. Dan, you may have gone to the same performance we did. David Cohen and I went to the Nassau Coliseum to see Steve Martin. And, and who opened for him? I think it was the Blues Brothers. There you go. I was at that show. There That's you it. go. And, uh, and, and who finished the performance? How did he finish it? Was with King Tut. King Tut. Yeah. yeah. So um, he, he here's a thing. This is what I hate about these lists sometimes because you have a little personal uh, feeling too. Like this personally, Steve Martin had a has a personal effect. I was there in the beginning of his career, uh, just watching, of course, observing, loving it, loving them. You, the, you wrote some of his jokes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on to the elevation of, of his career to the movies, loving all of those. And of course, Saturday life in between. And even to this day, he still performs, um, you know, live with Martin short. And I, I'm here. That's a great show. And very, he, he wrote and he writes his own material. Mel Brooks. Show of Shows is one of my favorites. Obviously, it comes through here. Um, I see him on the talk shows. He's never not funny. He's he's uh, bombastic. He's uh, everything that I love in a comedian as well, though I did get a little bit sometimes, this is controversial, maybe, bored with the 2,000-year-old man. I didn't think it was always that funny. Eh. But um, the, man is, the man is a genius, clearly. Uh, the one pitfall I'm in the producers in New York City with my wife when it had Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick and I'm watching and I'm getting more and more disillusioned because I could predict 
and I didn't see it before, but it was, you know, there was a, here's the scene that made me walk out eventually was, uh, there's a bunch of newspapers on a couch and I go, there's a guy underneath the couch and a scene starts, they do this and that. And a guy under the couch comes out of there. He uses all the old and new comic routines, but it became a little bit uh, like too predictable to me. And I, I, I don't know. This is just me. It's personal. I have to say by a very thin hair, because I love the Mel Brooks material, but sometimes it's, it, it misses for me. So Steve Martin doesn't miss for me. I'm going with Steve Martin. Any comments? I could have either gone, gone either way in this one, yeah. really. I was just going to say the same thing. I mean, I'm I'm okay with Steve Martin moving ahead. I have no issue with that at all. I just feel terrible that Mel Brooks isn't go, going to the next level because I love all of his work. And I would have, yeah, felt, I would have felt the same way. I would have felt the same way if it was the other way around. By the way, it, I, I had already advanced Steve Martin to the next round because based on my track record of all of the other pairings in these particular sets of brackets, <laughs> I knew that whatever I picked was not going to be the one that you're you guys doing chose. the opposite. <laughs> so I actually already advanced Steve Martin anyway. So Well, let's, let's review it then. This week's show we picked for the uh, Sweet 16, Neil Simon, Eddie Murphy, Marx Brothers, Walter Matthau, Will Ferrell, Albert Brooks, Steve Martin, and Abbott Costello. They will be joined by Harold Ramis, Bob and Ray, Richard Pryor, Gary Shandling, David Letterman, Betty White, David, uh, Larry David, and Martin Short will be picking that up next week. Gentlemen, uh, how are you looking forward to, to now participating in the Sweet 16 next week? Anybody, any comments? Well, I'm, I'm feeling a little sick, a little nauseated with how this thing is turning out, but uh, I'll get over it. <laughs> Dan? It's so, it's so difficult. It is. I'm I'm sitting on pins and needles because some of the folks that have advanced are shocking to me. And so I think the next round is actually there's going to be some easier votes for all three of us. I'm curious to see what cool. some of the listeners think. But there's some pairings here that I, you know, again, it's like, you know, I mentioned my comments about the Albert Brooks, Dick Van Dyke pairing. That one to me is like it's a no brainer. I know who I'm already picking. I suspect you guys are going to be in the same place. How does how does like Albert Brooks make the Sweet Sixteen? It was Albert Brooks, right? It was Albert. Brooks. How does Albert Brooks make this make the Sixteen make the Sweet Sixteen when Mel Brooks doesn't? Well, you or know, this, Gary Shandling, I, I or saw Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. But it's or the Billy pairing. We, we, it wasn't we, even in the original right. Sweet Six, whatever. Well, I mean, isn't that what makes the NCA brackets tremendous? There's always the upsets. There's always these pairings that early on these teams shouldn't be together. They should be in the final four, but they get one of them has got to get knocked out. The ultimate yeah. goal is the best one should be the winner. But I don't know. We'll find out. We'll be back next week and everything old is new again to continue the May May Mayhem. Thank you, gentlemen. Doing the curly shuffle. Hey, Mo. Hey, Mo. <laughs>